Awesome. Thanks, Ryland. Well, hey guys, my name is Clayton, pastor here at Central, and I'm so glad you guys are here with us this morning. If you'd like to follow along with today's message, you can just pull out your, your phone or your iPad, and you can uh, use the camera on your phone or device to scan that, and you can follow along with today's uh, message. And so, hey, I just want to say, yesterday was not a good day for me. So, <laughs> I... I decided I was going to water the yard. I hadn't watered the yard in a long time because uh, of the cold. And so I turned my sprinklers back on in the morning. It started watering. And Holly says, uh, you know it's freezing outside. I'm like, yeah, it'll be all right. So, so it, it's freezing. I'm, I'm watering the yard. And then Holly was, uh, was leaving. And she was uh, going to pick up Hannah from softball practice. And uh, I had Hannah's cell phone. And Holly leaves. And then I realized, oh, no, I forgot to give the cell phone to Holly, who's going to give it to Hannah. And so I'm calling Holly, and I walk out of my, my front yard or my front door, and I'm walking. I wish I had a camera on our doorbell. I need to get one of those. And I'm, I'm calling Holly, and she answers. And as soon as she answers, all she hears is, and I, I bust. I just I hit this ice. The whole drive, whole sidewalk was just covered in ice. And I bust, and I throw both phones and just skidding along the, 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 the concrete. And uh, it, was, it was awful. And I was like, how did I not break something? I don't know. I mean, I, I ate it, guys. It was bad. It was really bad. And so the, the phone, like, disconnected. And she calls me back. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, you know. And so I was like the first sin of the day. And I lied. And I said I was fine. And I wasn't. And so she turned around and came and got it. And she goes, you need to go to the chiropractor. The chiropractor's closed today, honey. I can't do that. And I'm like, I'll be fine. It's going to be okay. And I, I can feel my back, like, you know, it's not going to be good when I wake up in the morning. And so, and so she, she leaves, and I am walking back, and I bypass the ice this time, and I walk around, and I take a step on the concrete past the ice, but I wasn't past the ice, and I bust again, okay, like the exact same way, and I yell a cuss word, okay, I'm, just to be honest, okay, it just came out, and, and I look around and see my neighbors, and so I had to call Holly, and it's like, you'll not believe what just happened to me again, and uh, it was just, it was a bad day, it was a bad day, and so, you know, we just avoided uh, that part of the, the front of the house the rest of the day, and I was thinking about, you know, today's message is kind of like that, there is a, a slippery slope that we are going down Today And what we're talking about today, you know what, I might just bust and fall on my face, okay? But I'm willing to at least get out there and to talk about it because we're in the middle of this series called The Ostrich Syndrome. We're talking about things that no one wants to talk about, things about our culture, things that, that the church has to deal with, but it's, it's often easier just to kind of forget about what is out there, what our culture is dealing with, and therefore what we're dealing with as well. And so today's message is going to be difficult because we got to answer this question. How do or how should Christians respond to the LGBTQ community? How should we respond? To begin, we must ask maybe some other questions like, can a gay person be a Christian? What are we to do with transgender people who want us to acknowledge their preferred gender? Does loving and accepting our LGBTQ neighbors, does that, does that mean, loving and accepting them, does that mean that we are affirming and agreeing with their way of life? And how do Christians respond to a culture that embraces and celebrates homosexuality? 
Now, I get it. Today, some of you are going to agree with me, and some of you won't. I'm okay with that. Some of you will squirm in your seats a little bit. Okay? Some of you will be challenged. Some of you are probably going to be angry at me. I think some people in the first service were, okay? But that's okay. That's okay because we have to address this issue. Because in the Christian culture, there are two really big extremes that we need to talk about. One of them on one side is, is the people that would say homosexuals are going to hell. And then you have people on the other side that would say homosexuality is just another way of life and it's okay. And for me, honestly, I have a problem with both views, both extremes. So let's look at it real quick. What is homosexuality? Now, I'm going to be really surface level here because we could spend weeks talking about all the ins and outs of everything. But in a basic sense, homosexuality is being attracted to the same sex. And in American culture, in our society, in our community, 72% of Americans agree that homosexuality should be an accepted lifestyle. 72% of America. What is transgender? What does it mean to be transgender? Well, transgenderism is when you identify with another gender. And transgenders also, they fight for the right to, for you to accept their own personal pronouns, like he or she or them. And in today's culture, 3% of teenagers are transgender. You may not think that that's very much, but what that means is that a teenager is 329% more likely to identify as transgender than an adult would. 329% more likely. In fact, there are almost as many transgender teens as there are adults who identify as gay or lesbian. It's here. It's a big deal. In fact, they also look at gender differently. And we would look at gender mainly as in a binary way. A binary view of gender is like male or female, okay? And our culture is beginning to come around to, to the to the a different view that being having a binary view is actually bigoted and arrogant and narrow-minded. In 2014, Facebook came out with, uh, they changed the way that you could identify your, your gender. And so it used to be male or female. You got to pick, you know, when you're doing your, your account. And now, the, in 2014, there was, they added 54 genders that you can, you can choose from. And then they realized that that was not enough. And so later, a couple years ago, they, they changed that to only 17 genders, but then had an other down at the bottom where you could click other and you could actually type in anything that you wanted to be, any gender you wanted to be. Jackie uh, Golub, she's at the Center for, for Sexual Wellness in Minnesota, who agrees with, with that view. She says this, she says, gender is a term that relates to how we feel about ourselves. The way we choose to express our gender through makeup and dresses and high heels and athletic shorts and sneakers and more. She says that gender identity is on a continuum or on a spectrum. It's not binary, but you can be pretty much anything that you want to be. She says gender is how you feel about yourself, while sexuality is how you feel about others. 
And basically, our society has been dealing with this for a long time about what is truth and how you can have your truth and someone else can have their truth and whatever you feel, whatever you believe can be your own truth. And that has come into the the gender world to where we've gotten to a point in our society, we've come to the conclusion that that truth is how you feel and it can continually change. And honestly, guys, that that is a slippery slope on which to live. But really, this is a reality we must face because homosexuality and transgenderism is increasingly common everywhere in our society. Let me me just ask this. How many of you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I know here's the deal. Some of you may, may be, may identify that way as homosexual or transgender, and that's fine. You're welcome here. But how many of you would either identify with that or do you know someone a family member, a friend who is in the LGBTQ community. Would you raise your hand? That's everybody. That is almost everybody. And so this is not just a small thing in our culture anymore. It is one of the things in our culture. And you see it. There's been a cultural shift, right? I mean, you look in movies. You look in TV shows. It's, it's in it. There's parades that celebrate it. You have entire months that that are dedicated towards it. Even our federal government celebrates it. And now our culture has shifted to where you get censored and even canceled if you speak out against it. In fact, you guys know John MacArthur. You probably know John MacArthur. He's a famous uh, pastor. He lives in California. He's got a big mega church in, in in California. And he um, just recently, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, he preached a sermon just like this. And they put it on YouTube and his whole channel was canceled because they said that that was bigoted and against their terms of use. It's coming, guys. It's something that we are going to have to deal with. And in fact, the world is now asking churches, which side are you on? If you go on, online, you can go to this website called churchclarity.org. And on that website, you can, you can type in any area like Tulsa or Owasso or anything like that. And, and it will it'll give you a list of the churches in that area who, who, they, have, who have, they have graded them. And they, they either show that that church is affirming an LGBTQ lifestyle or it's non-affirming. And so the LGBTQ community can go online and say, which church do I want to go to that will actually accept me for who I am? So the question is, where do we stand? Where do we stand? A couple weeks ago, Noah and I had an incredible opportunity to go and and meet um, a prominent member of our community. His name is is Toby Jenkins. Toby is the CEO of the Equality Center in Tulsa. The Equality Center is the, the fourth largest LGBTQ organization in the world. In the world, they have 40,000 members in the Tulsa metro area, and 700 of those are in Owasso. Toby was an awesome guy. We, had, we spent two hours hanging out with him for lunch and talking with him and asking him all sorts of questions and hearing his story. And Toby, he knows the Bible more than I know the Bible. I mean, this guy, he's a self-professed Christian, and he's a church attender. He's been a church attender for his entire life, and he has this this incredible story of rejection by the community and more importantly by the church when he came out 
as gay. And we asked him, what has been the biggest thing or the, the greatest way the church has hurt your community? And he said that when we tell them or show them that there's something wrong with them, we say, you know what, there's something wrong with you in the way that you feel. So what do we say? What is our response to that? Well, the typical sermon on homosexuality goes like this. The Bible is clear that homosexuality is a sin, but hey, we're all sinners, so let's do better. Amen. Let's go home, right? That's usually the typical sermon on, on homosexuality, and I've listened to a ton of them this, this past month, but that is not the sermon that we're going to look at today because there is, there is a, a tension, even in the middle of a sermon like that, there's a tension for believers. Let me give you an illustration of what that might look like. So you have a, a scale here, or a scale, a level here. This level shows, shows balance of something, okay? So you got the bubble in there. You can see if something is, is level. How many of you guys are just terrible at hanging pictures, okay, um, at home, okay? This never works, you know, for me or whatever. So I like the laser ones. That's a really good one. But, but there is there's this, this tension that we are, are living with as, as believers in Christ, where on one side you have, have truth, okay, and on one side, you have grace. And there is this balance of truth and grace. And truth, people on this far extreme believe that it is, it is our duty and responsibility to call people on the carpet, on their sin. To call out sin and call them to repentance and to call them to a holy way of living. And then on the other side, you have, you have grace, and to the far extreme of this, you have people that would say that, that grace should abound more and more. And we should never judge anyone for their sin because we all have sin as, as well. And so we're, we aren't, even, we're not supposed to even call out sin because Jesus has forgiven all of our sins anyways. So we, we shouldn't worry about that at all. And so here's the deal. We are all on this spectrum somewhere. Like either between this extreme and this extreme. And the, the question really is, is or the... the the tension is, is, if I lean on more on the side of, of truth, am I sacrificing grace and love? Or if I lean more on the side of grace and love, am I sacrificing truth and what the Bible has to say? And there's this tension that as believers in Christ to the church today, I'm speaking to the church today, that is that's something that we are having to deal with. So what is truth? Let's look at truth real quick. Truth, here's what God's word has to say on homosexuality. The Bible's really clear on marriage. Genesis chapter 2 says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I'm going to make him a helper who is just right for him. Then the Lord God made a woman and he brought her to the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And so that is, that is the biblical definition of marriage between a man and a woman. And that's, that's the Old Testament Biblical definition of marriage. And some people have a hard time with looking back at the Old Testament because, really, if you look at some other things in the Old Testament, it's kind of crazy. Like, go to Leviticus and look at all those rules. And you're saying, if I'm going to follow that marriage rule, then we better be following all these other rules. And so, like, how, how do you, is that, is that good enough to base what you believe is just what the Old Testament says? Well, one of the, the, the best things to look at is what does the New Testament say about that? 
In fact, I even go a step further and say, what does Jesus have to say about that? Matthew chapter 19. Jesus, he cements the deal on marriage. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replies that they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and has joined his wife and the two are united into one. He's, he's quoting that Old Testament scripture we just looked at. And so Jesus is saying, hey, this is truth. This is true, not just for back then, but for all time. This is how God designed marriage between a man and a woman. And what he goes on to say, what Jesus goes on to say is that all sexual activity outside of this, outside of this idea that God has for, for marriage, all sexual activity is a sin. All of it. He says this in Mark chapter 7. He says, for from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts. Okay? Sexual immorality, that means all types of sexual activity outside of marriage. Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Homosexuality is further described in other places like Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians 6 as a way that, that we turn away from God. Here's what we learn. The Bible doesn't have a theology on homosexuality. The Bible gives us a theology on marriage. And there's a lot of people that would argue and say, you know what? A consensual gay relationship is not forbidden in Scripture. But the Bible is really clear that it is. Because the Bible says, Here's, this is what marriage is. This is how God has designed it, specifically between a man and a woman. And the, one of the reasons is it's for human flourishing. That's what God has designed. And I, I get this, guys. There are people in this room, this may be hard to hear, who say, you know what, I, I'm a believer in Christ. And I want to follow after Jesus. But I, but I identify as part of the LGBTQ community. And it's hard to say, you know, how do I, which way do I go? Because I see that scripture is saying this, but I feel a different way. But that is the truth. That is, that is on this side. That's what the Bible has to say about homosexuality. Well, what does the Bible say about, about grace? Because grace is the essence of the gospel. If we didn't have grace, we wouldn't have anything. Grace is God's favor towards the unworthy. And you know what? You and I, we are unworthy. And God gives us grace. Hebrews 4, 16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of who? Of our gracious God. Not our condemning God, but our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so the Bible says is that God is gracious and we should run to him. But not only that, but since God is gracious, we should be as well. So the question is, who do we extend grace to? And usually you can find the answer in who you actually are welcoming towards. Like if, if a celebrity walked in to the church today, say it's a sports celebrity, Bob Stoops or whatever, okay, right? So he comes in, and right next to him is a transgender person or a gay couple come in at the same time. Who do you go and greet? Who would you naturally gravitate towards? Bob Stoops may be a bad example. Okay, whatever, okay? <laughs> right? Who would you go and greet? 
And the Bible says that if you are partial towards one person over another, that it's sin. James chapter 2, verse 1, says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? It says, how can you call yourself a Christian if you show partiality towards someone over another person? Or who do you welcome? Who do you let into your life? Who do you love? Where are you on this spectrum? Which way do you lean? One of the, there's a pastor in, in California who's, who's at the front line of all this and dealing with this. His name's Caleb Kaltenbach, and here's what he says. He says, each of us is either more grace-oriented or we are more truth-oriented. But the tension between the two it actually should, it draws us to the middle. And embracing this tension shows that we love God and people and we won't stop loving either. That's what this tension creates. And so what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, John 1.17 describes how we, how, we should, how we should live. The Bible says, For the law was given to Moses. The rules that we are supposed to follow were given to, to Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus was able to do both at the same time. And we should be the same way. So if you're going to ever remember any verse today, remember this verse, Matthew 14, 14. There's this, there's this story where Jesus, he's going around and he is, he is uh, ministering to people and he's about to feed 5,000 people. So you guys know the story. The crowds were just all around him. He gets out on the boat and then here's what it says in verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And I think that is a great example that we should follow. In fact, it's so good that I think there's, just, there's three simple ways that we can live out our faith based on the example of Jesus. So look what he did first. The Bible says he, he saw them. So what did he do? He noticed them. He noticed the people that were different from him. Can you imagine, there's 5,000 people, all of their sins, all of their issues, all the things they're going through, all of their lifestyles, and Jesus saw them. And that's something that we must do as well. The church must notice the LGBT community. We must notice them. Toby says that there's 700 of them here in Owasso, and those are just the members of, of that Equality Center. Last year, we had the Gay Pride Parade, and there's over 1,000 people that marched in that parade. That's more people than we have in this church. If you think about the, the entire Quality Center and the members of that, that community, that is the largest organization probably in the Tulsa metro area. It's bigger than any church in our area. How do you see that community? How do you see them? How, how do you notice them? Because you know what? It's easy to say, you know what? They're gay, they're lesbian, they're transgender. Well, you know what? It's even easier to go further than that and say, you know what? They are anti-Christian or anti-God, or they are an enemy of God because of their lifestyle and because of their sin. And you know what? The LGBTQ community, sometimes they see themselves as either gay or straight. And so that's how they define themselves. That is the, the dividing line. But we got to get to a point where as a church, as people of God, that we don't see them that way. We don't see them based on their sin. Thank goodness we shouldn't do that because, you know what, we should go around and see ourselves, right, based on all of our sin. And we can start 
using adjectives to describe each person that walks in here as this kind of Christian, right? Based on their sin. But instead, we should see these people as image bearers of God. Because that's how Jesus saw people. He saw them as, as God's children. He saw them as his creation. And he saw them as, as valuable, guys. And worthy of his love. He saw these people who were different than him as, as worthy to be fought for. To the point where the religious people hated him for it, didn't they? They hated Jesus because he went and was with sinners. And he spent time with sinners. And thank goodness he did. Because sinners includes all of us, right? Every single one of us. And he was willing to, to be kind of cast out of the religious circles because he was, his desire was, was for them. The question is, what is it about for us? Would you be willing to do some things, to go to some places that Christians would say, I can't believe they went there? For the desire to reach out to people who may be different than you. Or to invite someone to this church with the, the real thought that, you know, someone might, be go, might say, well, I can't believe they did that. You know, can't believe they would bring them in here into this church. Would you be willing to put yourself out there like that? Because you know what? Jesus was. He saw them. He recognized them. You know what else he did? He had compassion on them. He allowed his, his love for them to affect him. And he saw past their stuff. And that's what the church has to do as well. The church must show compassion. How is your compassion? God calls us to have compassion. Colossians chapter 3 says, since God chose you. If you're a believer in Christ, God has chosen you to be the holy people he loves. And here's what that means. You must clothe yourselves, not with judgment, not with rules, but with tender-hearted mercy or compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The Bible is saying here, this is how we should treat people that are different than us. The question is, do you have compassion for them? Do you have tender-hearted mercy? Do you love them unconditionally? Are you patient with them? goes on to say, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Bible's saying, you need to get in your place, all right? Recognize your sin as well, because he's forgiven you, so you should forgive them as well. And here's what also it's saying. It's saying that they're not the enemy, guys. The gay community is not the enemy of the church. Sin and Satan is the enemy of the church. Not those people. And Jesus had compassion on them. And that compassion, it moved Jesus to action. At the end of that verse in Matthew 14, 14, what does it say that Jesus did? He healed them. He healed their sick. What that means is he got involved. Can you imagine what that would mean to get involved with healing people? And so these people, they line up. They're crowded around Jesus. He's going to each individual person, and he's meeting their needs. And he's talking to them and asking them questions and saying, what is, what is going on in your life? And he loved them and had so much compassion on them that he was saying, you know what? I'm going to spend time to meet your needs. He healed them. And that's what the church has to do. The church must pursue healing. And that takes a lot of work. It's a process. 
It's a process, but it's really practical. And there's some ways that we can pursue healing. One is we can pursue relational healing. And here's what this looks like. The people in your life who are in that community. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker, and you just go to them and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way that I've viewed you, the way that I've treated you. I'm sorry. That takes, that takes time. That takes humility. But you have to work on building those relationships. Another thing is, is we need to have some social healing where we re- rebuild as a community. We re- rebuild some bridges that we have torn down. And the way that looks is that when they come to our church, we love them and we welcome them. We should never be a church that says no to people because they're different than us. If we said no to people because of their sin, then we should all go home, <laughs> right? Every single one of us. I'm gonna turn this iPad off and I'm gonna go home too because what happened yesterday, <laughs> in the, right? We should all do it. We should be welcoming to them. There also should be some spiritual healing. And I think this is really important too, where we, we point them to Jesus. And we help them understand what the, what the Bible has to say about sexuality and what it, mean, what it says about following Jesus. And there's this, there's this amazing passage in Mark chapter 10 where, where Jesus is talking to the disciples. And look what happens to, to Peter. The Bible says, then Peter began to speak up and he says this, we've given up everything to follow you. We've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus says, yes. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. It's not going to be easy. And in in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. And what Jesus is saying here is that following him means you got to give up something. And that is true for all of us. When an alcoholic becomes a believer in Christ, you know what Jesus is saying? I'm calling you to give that up. When a fornicator becomes a believer in Christ, Jesus is saying, you've got to give that up. When a liar or a cheater comes to faith in Christ, Jesus says, you've got to give that up. You've got to give that up for something better that I have in store for you. Jesus says this. Paul said, Peter says, I've given up everything. And he says, you're right. You know what? When you do that, when you give up the things that are most precious to you, your family, these are examples, your property, your possessions. He's not talking literally about those things. He's saying the most important things in your life that define you. When you give those things up, you're going to get it back a hundred times. Not meaning that you're going to have more stuff or more family. It's not what he's saying, but he's saying that you're going to get me. And guys, we got to be telling that community that Jesus is worth it. We need to teach them about the all-sufficiency of Christ. That giving up things that you may think are good, that you may have feelings, strong feelings for, it is worth it to abstain from those things 
for the sake of Christ, living for Christ. I'm not talking about just being gay or transgender. I'm talking about all of us. With a sin in our lives, is Jesus worth it? That's what healing is all about. Jesus saying, I am worth it. Trust me and follow me. And we got to be telling people about that. We got to be telling that Jesus is worth it. You know what also we got to do? We got to show them love, unconditional love. And you know what's something else we need to do? We need to not question their faith and not question their Christianity. Because we all got junk, guys. We all got stuff. Let Jesus let God deal with that. Let's love him. When Jesus dealt with people that were different than, than him, when he dealt with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the lepers and the Romans, what did he do? How did he deal with them? He went to them. And that was scandalous. It was so scandalous that the religious people of the day wanted to kill him for it. He went to them. And the question for us is, are they welcome here? And the question for us is, are you willing to go where they are? I asked Toby, how can the church reach out? How can we do it? That's probably a poor choice of words, but he had a great answer. He says this, the church needs to reach in and see what would Jesus do. Jesus was hanging around with sinners. He was hanging around with people that were different than him. People that were going against God's laws. He wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't afraid of what religious people would say. One of the best examples that Toby gave was the, the gay pride parade that, that Tulsa has every year. I think, think they're having it at the end of June this year. It's the third largest parade in the country. Any parade. Over 170 entries in this parade. He says there's one church that I think they have a location. Their, their church building is downtown. And then the parade goes right by their church. And every year this church sets up a, a big booth on the side of the, the parade route and has this big sign. And they're passing out water and other things and has this big sign that says, please forgive us. And Toby said, it is the best thing that happens in that parade and it's the worst thing at the same time because it creates this bottleneck. Because every single entry, all those people that are, that are marching for what they believe, every single one of them, they all stop and they go over there and they hug those people with tears in their eyes and they say, thank you. And Toby's like, y'all gotta keep going, right? You gotta keep going. This parade is getting bottlenecked because it's so impactful to those people because that church is willing to say, you know what? We're gonna love you. We're gonna ask for forgiveness. We're going to try to build bridges back, and they're willing to go to them. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. All that you can, even when it might be difficult. And 1 Peter 4, 8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. That is so true. So true in relationships, when someone has wronged you or you wronged them, 
and there's forgiveness that happens. And, and the best part is, is that in our relationship with God, love covers over our sins. Amen? Thank goodness. Let me say one other thing. Loving them does not mean or require you to shift your beliefs. You know? Thinking about this, this tension right here. Loving them does not mean that you give up what you believe at all. Because it's not about your beliefs, it's about your love. Ephesians 4.15 says that we're supposed to speak truth. We should not be ashamed of the truth, of the gospel. But how should we speak truth? In what? Love. Speak truth in love. And so the question is, how can the church love gay people without affirming their lifestyle? You know what? Jesus was able to do that. And here's what he did. He had balance. Right? He had balance where truth and grace were perfectly balanced. And I get it. It's, 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 you think, well, if I'm on this one side, then I've got to give up this side. Or if, I, if I'm on this side, I've got to give up this side. But the reality is Jesus didn't give up either side. He was pulling down on both sides. He was all truth, but he was all grace at the exact same time. Why? Because people matter. People matter. And we got to have that balance between truth and grace. And it's, it's difficult. It's messy. They, people call it messy grace. Because it doesn't make sense that we can live on truth but also show grace to people. But we need to be like Jesus is. Titus chapter 2, and I'll close with this. Verse 14 says, talking about Jesus, he gave his life. Stop right there, right? He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. Amen. Thank you, God, for doing that. But what kind of people are we supposed to be? He says, totally committed to doing good deeds. The Bible doesn't say we're totally committed to calling people out, to separating ourselves from them, to being on this side so much that we tell them no. He says, totally committed. Are you totally committed to doing good deeds, to loving them. Because here's the deal, guys, we have an opportunity. Toby told us one other story. It was kind of a God thing that we reached out to him and, and uh, he, he agreed to, to come and meet with us and I thank him for that. In fact, he's probably gonna watch this and so Toby, thank you for, for meeting with us. And he told a story that just happened like a, a couple days before. He said he was at the, the equality club at the high school here in Owasso. And we have 75 kids that showed up to the Equality Club. So it's, you know, gay, lesbian kids, transgender kids. Uh, that's their community, and they, went to, they have a club that they meet regularly. And so there's 75 of them there, and Toby was there as kind of a guest speaker, and, and he was talking to them, and they kept asking questions like, why do Christians continually reject us and push us away? Why do they look at us differently? Teenagers. Toby said, guys, I don't know why, but let me tell you something. There's a church here in Owasso that just asked to meet with me. And they want to know how they can reach you, how they can love you. In a way, they're saying, 
we welcome you. It's a start. It's the first step. That's not all the way. So in your life, I don't have any concrete like, hey, now January 31st, here's what we're going to go do. I don't, I don't have that for you this morning. But in your life, you have people that I'll never be able to reach. You have family. You have friends. You have neighbors. You have coworkers who will identify that way. How are you going to reach them? What is the biblical way to reach them? Let's notice them. Let's have compassion on them. Let's work on healing. The relationship you have with them, but also the relationship that God wants to have with them. Let's be a church that is welcoming to everybody. Because that's the church that Jesus wants. Let's pray. God, you are perfectly balanced. And we aren't. So thank you for sending Jesus to be that perfect example for us of how we are to love those who are different than us. It's a constant struggle. Help us to not be focused on religion, but help us to be focused on relationships. Relationships with you and relationships with others. God, we confess and we just, mm, we lay down our pride and our arrogance and our Pharisaic attitudes for, for the truth. Where we have pushed people aside. Help us, God, to be a church. Help us to be families. Help us to be friends and neighbors who love everybody. And simply, that, that's Christianity, to be your hands and feet. That's what it means to be a Christ follower and to be a disciple of Jesus, is to follow after Jesus. And God, I pray you'd help us to do that, not just in our devotion to you through reading your word and coming to church, but God, in our devotion to you and how we live our lives every single day with a world that doesn't understand. The world that sees Christians as being bigoted and narrow-minded. God, help us to be your hands and feet that love everyone. And I pray for everyone in this room and those watching online who identify with the LGBTQ community. Those that are people, that's, that's how they feel. That's, how, that's the things they believe. That's how they identify. I pray for them, God, that you would heal the wounds they have because of your bride, the church, and what we've done to them. pray, God, that they would also turn to you and trust in Jesus, Jesus fully, which means to give up things, to give up everything for the sake of Christ. And God, may they follow you even when it's difficult. And may we be a church that comes alongside them and help them and love them. God, that's our prayer. We want to be a church that's relevant in our community and loves people like you love them. So help us, God, to do that right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.